Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center, no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox. I'm Josh. I'm Jimmy, and we're glad you're here. Pornography. Porn. The porn again believer. We we just wanted to say porn. We're not porn, has nothing, porn, porn. nothing to do with anything. Mm-mm. No, we're talking about pornography today. It is... Because we do have to talk about it. Yeah, it is like... It is not the... I was going to say the new. It is the drug of choice. Mm-hmm. It is an epidemic of mass proportions. I know that's kind of, by definition, an mm-hmm. epidemic. But uh, it is insanely ingrained into our culture. Mm. So we have to address it. And it is vital that we address it in our homes and take care of it individually. So. Oh, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to, I remember it was ninth grade. So we had probably just gotten the internet. 95. (laughs) newfangled World (laughs) Wide Web. 95, 96. And this, man, you know, you talk about, you know, when you had to look, or when you wanted to look at porn back in the day, you had to steal a a nudie Mm -hmm. magazine. I had to sacrifice time too. Sure. In that you had to wait because it took like 45 seconds to a minute for the picture to load. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> it was not as quick nowadays. <laughs> but I remember it was ninth grade and Jimbo pulls me in, son. <laughs> and I walk into the computer room and obviously there's nude pictures on it. Son, do you know what this is? No, Dan. I've never I've never <laughs> seen these in my life. <laughs> you know, who who do you well, think I believe that's a nude woman. Uh... <laughs> yeah, those are breasts. Uh who do you, who do you why do you, how do you think you, they, these got here? Your guess is as good as mine, I told you. Well, I know they're not mine. And they're, they're not your mom's. I asked her. And I know they're not your sister's. So, and you paused. That was how Jimbo started the conversation with me. And, you know, so there's obviously, and there was at that time, and we can laugh about it now, but there was a lot of shame wrapped up in that. Oh, heavens. And even on into adulthood, um, and we'll talk about this, but, you know, talking about it with my wife, there's shame wrapped up in that. But there was also relief. There was a relief that you brought it to the light. Mm. That now someone's going to be watching over me, and Mm. um, I can finally get rid of this in my life. Pornography hits home for most of us. Um, and so that's, I was so thankful that Jimbo started the, the conversation, oh, those many years ago. And that's why we're having the conversation today. The stats are just stupid. Um, in our intake now, um, with, especially with adolescent males, I stopped asking, um, have you ever looked at internet pornography? Now I just say, when was the last time you looked at internet pornography? And over the past 15 years, I've maybe had three or four say they've never seen it. By the time a kid's going to get out of high school, a male, probably 98% will have viewed pornography. And upwards, of, I, th- I believe, it's over 70% of females 
now by age 18. So the real good majority of young ladies will have seen internet pornography. And what is available to our kids today at the drop of a hat is, again, it would have been a, uh, a Sunday school quarterly back in the day, um, you know, from just uh, airbrush nude pictures. Uh, just every uh, paraphilia, every fetish, every perversion known to man, it is, it is now available to our kids. So by junior high, if the average age of first internet porn use is age 10, age 10. Also the average age that kids are getting smartphones. Go ahead. Yeah, boy. I wonder if those two things are linked. Yowza. So by the time a kid hits junior high, he's seen group sex, homosexual sex, sex with barn animals, torture, sexual torture, simulated rape. All these, by the time he hits junior high, and we're wanting to have a talk about the birds and the bees, this is happening very early. And the impact on the last couple of generations, it's really sort of mind-numbing. But now they will tell you that 60-plus percent of church-going, I mean, men who are active in church— are looking at pornography on a regular basis. Over 50% of pastors on staff at churches are looking at pornography on a regular basis. So, I was I went to grad school in Fort Worth, and um, they had an annual pastors conference in downtown Fort Worth. It was rumored, our professors told us, that the adult films purchased in hotels in downtown Fort Worth skyrocketed those weekends. Crazy. It is a huge problem. It's impacting everybody. I love we're going to be speaking to a, a church here locally here in just a couple of weeks from when we're taping this. Shout out to Grace Covenant. Yeah. My home church. Yes. Uh, they're fantastic. Matt Cassidy, you can find a podcast for him, Grace Covenant Church. We're And they're turning everybody out. And we're going to talk about pornography. And we're going to, because it's time churches stop playing like this is not occurring. Correct. Uh, because it is. We've spoken to publishers about writing books on it, yes. and they won't touch it. No one yeah. buys it. What's, what do you see most? What's the most prevalent issue in pornography? Oh, yeah, we don't want a book on that. No one will buy a book because no one will be seen buying a book. So you have to address it just like Fearless Parenting, uh, the Barna book that's coming out in July. You can pre-order it today on Amazon. There's a whole chapter that we sort of deal with this, but you can't say that's what you're dealing with or no one's going to purchase it. It is fantastic that churches, some churches now, very few, but some are going, hey, let's all just be honest here and say this is going on and how and why it needs to stop. Here's the problem, and I'm going to do this really quickly, but the problem with pornography is it establishes some long-term negative elements that work like cancer within your marriage. Three things that are the problem with pornography. It is a, an addictive substance. Therefore, you have what is called the pornographic progression. You're chasing the buzz. And once you've seen a picture of uh, boobs, then after I've seen it, the first time you see it when you're a kid, it's just like, oh, my gosh. I can remember to this day. I snuck in to the drive-in movie uh, in Ranger, and I saw a 40-foot tall bosom. And do you remember the movie? Uh, I think, uh, no, 
blazing bosoms. I don't know what it was. Was it a porn? No. Okay. <laughs> but it was R-rated. And back then, R-rated might as well have been because that was just so, which is why I had to go in in the, in the trunk of someone's car. It's since it's addictive, I, you just like heroin or anything else. I got to have more. I've got to have more to get the same effect. I've got to go. I got to have more. And since it's not necessarily quantity when it comes to pornography, I've got to go to something harder. I've got to go to something that is more taboo. And it's never. It's kind of like um, you know heavy petting uh, when you're making out and you know and you're 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 putting your hands all over the genitals of your girlfriend. That'll never satisfy because that's that's called foreplay. I mean, it was in d- designed to get you to have sex. It'll never be satisfying in and of itself. And therefore, neither will pornography ever satisfy in and of itself. It's got to be more and more and harder and harder. So the pornographic progression becomes a huge problem. Second is the pornographic ideal. And when we say this, people look at us funny. But pornography is perfect. It is the perfect sexual experience. Other than there's not another person in the room, it's the perfect sexual experience. Because eventually you find over time kind of what preferences are. And so I'm going to, I like uh, this type of woman. I like this race of woman. I like this color hair. I like this size of a woman. I like this age of a woman. I don't want it, their rear end to be too big. I don't want uh, their breasts to be too big or too small. And so you go to the, in your mind, you have the perfect woman doing the exact sex practices that you find to be the most erotic and you have an orgasm every time, every time it's perfect. And as soon as you have another human being come in the room, it stops being perfect because even if she is that pornographic ideal that's in your head, uh, she may or may not like the things that you find to be the most erotic. She actually has feelings. She has thoughts. She has good days and bad days. It just stops being perfect. And you find in middle-aged men that they can't maintain an erection uh, because without thinking of a pornographic video, because this sexual experience they're having doesn't match their pornographic ideal. And you'll find the older, the longer you're married, Every day that goes by, your wife becomes a little less like this pornographic ideal. You're finding without reliving the porn, they cannot even experience sexual arousal. Used to be middle-aged men. I don't know if I've shared this before, but last summer I had two college students that could not perform sexually without thinking of a pornographic video. And they were having sex with college co-eds that people look at porn to look at. And they couldn't do it because they weren't that. This uh, last fall, a 15-year-old boy said, yeah, uh, can I ask you something? Yeah, I can't like, uh, you know, I can't like do it with my girlfriend anymore without thinking of porn. That's crazy. 15. Can you imagine how many tens of thousands of porn videos this kid had to have watched for that to be true? Sure of a 15 year old. So the pornographic ideal. And then lastly, it's the objectification of women. And this may be one of the most jarring 
most detrimental aspects of pornography that, that is long term and pervasive, that men begin looking at women as just a collection of body parts, like you would look at a, a 57 Chevy. And so when you see someone, you see their rear end, you see their breasts. It's opposed to seeing them as a human being. I had a, a, a 16 year old. He pulled out his smartphone and he showed me a picture of his girlfriend. And he said, dude, check it out. He said, that's what I F every weekend. He didn't say that's who. <laughs> he said, that's what. And he could be the poster child for this. So there are, it's, it's not a victimless crime. It is damaging. It is damaging to you as a human being to a believer. It is corrosive. It is like, it is like sulfuric acid to a believer uh, because it represents everything that Christianity it's, it's the total opposite of Christianity. And, and the scriptural idea of what sex is. Yeah, and it creates this stopgap between you and access to God. It's selfish. It is the, the opposite of the Christian ideal. And at the end of the day, pornography creates just victim upon victim in its wake. And that's what, when I have people that struggle with pornography sitting in front of me in my office, that's mostly their argument. I don't see what the big deal is, mm -hmm. and what they're saying is it's a victimless crime. But as I see it, I, I see a plethora of victims. The actor or actress, triplexchurch.com uh, has great interviews with these ex-actors or actresses, and all of them, to a person, will communicate self-esteem issues, prior sexual abuse. The guy sitting in front of me that has no problem with it, it's like, well, they're getting paid. They signed up for it. It wasn't like they were handcuffed to do it. And that's not the point. It's these guys and these gals feel so awful about themselves that they can't get any other source of employment. And so they do this. And they might have a facade and fake that they enjoy this. But to a person in a sincere moment, they're going to communicate that this is awful. And if you just know what goes on in pornography, the things that are stuck places and things that are, they're tied up and they're whipped and all these awful demeaning Degrading, things, yeah. absolutely the actors and actresses, regardless of how much they get paid and if they sign up for something as a victim, you yourself, you're addicting yourself to something. Um, you are a victim. Spouses are victims. Oh, hugely. Children. When I finally, you know, in my own marriage, communicated to my wife my struggles in this area and saw the tears in her eyes. So uh, 2 Corinthians 7 talks about godly sorrow leading to repentance. I think a lot of the church is viewing pornography because they don't have godly sorrow over this horrific thing. They believe that it's no big deal, that it's not harming anybody else. When I finally, in a sincere, shameful moment, communicated this to my wife and saw her tears, mm -hmm. I finally, for the very first time in my early 30s, connected with godly sorrow over this mm -hmm. issue. And it was that that led me to repentance. It was that godly sorrow that attracted me less to this. And so... 
spouses are victims. And it's so incredibly important to start the conversation with our family members to see the shock and the sadness in their face so that we ourselves can be connected mm-hmm. with this idea of godly sorrow. I'll, I'll stop this point, but my first point on how we, we, we solve this issue of we've got to change how we view pornography. It is. It leaves victim upon victim upon victim, and if we can connect with the victims emotionally, the victims of our own pornography use, I believe that it might lead us to this godly sorrow that might then lead us to repentance. Yeah, I connected the dots with this guy in my office once, and he had fallen off the wagon and looked at porn the previous week, and I said, well, describe, you know, describe what was going on in the scene, and he did, and it had to do with multiple men and and this young girl and so he's describing it and i said okay stop right there and i said now you know close your eyes and try to picture instead of that girl it was your 12 year old daughter emily and i mean and his eyes just bolt open and he says that's just gross yeah exactly it is (laughs) because you know that's somebody's daughter it, 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 we talk about that objectification of women. As soon as they picture your wife in that scenario, oh, that would just be, yes, because they're a human being. They're a person. They're a real live person. They're not a collection of body parts just for your sexual gratification. And to your point, once we see the human victim of this, it starts being gross and it stops being titillating. So we've got to realize that there are victims. Second, we've got to begin the conversations. Just like Jimbo awkwardly brought it up with me, that in a lot of ways saved me. And so it's something that we've got to begin the conversation. Don't assume that your child doesn't struggle with it. Don't assume your spouse doesn't struggle with it, that your best friend doesn't struggle with it. Bring it up and talk about it. And I'm going to, since we're short on time, we really probably need to do an entire show just on this one thing. But we have done a horrific job of, um, of teaching, expressing sex in our homes, in Christian homes. Because for most of us, we were brought up in Christian homes, many of us were, where our homes, we have, a, so many Christians have adopted this secular pornographic view of sex, that it is dirty, that it is filthy. When our kids start finding that they have a yeehaw zone between their legs and, you know, don't touch, you know, that's nasty. No, it's not. But we keep teaching them. In fact, we don't even say penis and vagina. We say, oh, you're private. It's, it's, it's like the Voldemort of our family. It's, it's that which must not be named. That's how shameful. And when we stick that on our genitals about what sex is, then our kid, th- we develop, we, we almost teach them this morbid fascination. What is this that everyone talks about? But it must be so something that I, it's like it doesn't exist in our home. And we've got to do a better job in normalizing sex in our homes. And again, we probably need to do just when we talk about how we can do that. But we are just serving our children up on a platter to the porn industry in the way that we handle sex. And then the last thing real quickly, and it's going to dovetail into this, is one of the biggest things, dads, you can do for your son is you need to sexually pursue your wife 
in front of your children. Our sons need to see that you are sexually, romantically pursuing their mom. Because if y'all are living a sexless existence in front of your children, then the only time sex is mentioned, thought of, it's going to be on television with some you know, good-looking girl. We're going to teach them that it's just models. It's just sexual scenarios on television that have all these beautiful people. Those are the people that are worthy of sexual pursuit, not moms. And, and we need to be showing our children that, no, 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 I am hot to trot for your mom. And, and they need to know eventually what hot to trot is. Uh, we have a real, well, we've had Julie and Mike Carr on the show before, and that what they've done with their kids was just, which is why they have phenomenal kids. In her book, Raising an Originally, you need to get it. They normalized it. They had like, a, I forget what it was, but like a sign on their bedroom door, hey, if the if the if the bed's rocking, don't come knocking, you know, or something like that. And the kids would go, y'all aren't again. I mean, they knew their parents were having sex. Our children must know we have sex. I'm not saying be, be inappropriate with it, but they need to know. Mommies and daddies have sex. That's what mom, we want them to become a mommy and daddy and have sex between mommy and daddy, not with other people. We are leaving it to television, movies, music to teach them and demonstrate what sexuality is. We are so afraid. It's like the third rail in Christian homes. And and we have a lot to do with why our children are so susceptible to pornography. And the last thing I would say real quick, realizing there's victims, uh, begin the conversation. But right after you begin the conversation, you have got to put software on every smart device in the household. Uh, K9 is a good example of that. TripleXChurch.com. Questudio is a good example of Covenant that. Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes. Monitoring and blocking software. Um, and by the way, there is no excuse. No excuse. Well, the, the, the parents that I see dragging their feet and not wanting to do it for their kids don't want it on their devices either. I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. It has to be on every smart device within the household, monitoring and blocking sco- uh, software, no excuse. And then lastly, if you monitor and if you uh, block, and this is child and or adult, and you're still experiencing issues, there comes a time and a place that we have to say smart technology is not worth it. You cannot be afraid to choose sobriety and dumb technology. They will never surf for porn on their phones if they have a flip phone. Zero. It'll just take it off. So we've got to choose sobriety. Take it off your list of things to worry about. I've had grown men. Well, I need it for work. I get it. But I've also had grown men that are serious. Yeah. That put their wife above work and will go to their boss and say, I just can't do it. And businesses have found workarounds. Absolutely. It's just it cannot be more important than our families. And so we've got to not be afraid to choose dumb technology. Yep. Guys, so I hope you enjoyed Porn Day. Yeah, pornography. Uh, if you want more information about this episode, further steps to take. This was a really not crack joke day. Go to paradoxpodcast.com and click on our episode tab and go to the pornography episode. If you want to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, you can find that information at paradoxpodcast.com. Anything else? No. All right. I don't. I hope you guys. I forgot which is weird because I have a 
pornographic memory. Really? Thank you. I got one in. Hey, I got one in. Uh, we thank you guys for listening. I hope you have a good day. Appreciate it. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescarr.com. If you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. It seems like you have to plan as a family, as parents, you have to plan for nothing. You have to plan specifically for nothing in the schedule. Because if your time is back-to-back planned exact for, you know, go from this lesson to that practice to this person coming over for dinner to this obligation, these things that you're saying you're doing, when does that child ever feel like they have an opportunity to come for and say, I'm really struggling with this?